welcome back to What Matters Most, the podcast of Faith Community Church. I am Tabitha, and we are talking once again about the fruit of the Spirit today, and I am joined by Fawn and Pastor Josh, so why don't you guys take a moment and introduce yourselves? I'm Fawn Ellerbrook. I'm the communication director here. I'm married to Tim. He's behind the scenes running the sound, so hey, Tim. <laughs> Tim. <laughs> I'm Josh Earls. I'm the lead pastor here along with my wife, Lauren, and uh, of 16 years the other day, uh, and uh, our son, Carson, who is 12. He's yes. as old as He's Tim 12. and I, our anniversary Sunday. He's as old as we He's as age. old as you are married. Yep. I didn't realize that. That's crazy. Nice. Cool. Well, as we get ready to jump into today's topic, I would love for you, if you've been listening to the podcast, to... Make sure that you share with us on social media what you've been learning, what your takeaways are. We would just love to get your feedback on that. And we are today talking about gentleness. So as always, we're going to start out by defining some terms. What is gentleness when we're talking about it, especially from a biblical perspective? What does that mean? And I think one word that we can start with, and then you guys can jump in, is that when we speak about gentleness here, we can interchange that with the word meekness, Mm -hmm. that in some translations, the word is meekness, that often modern translations changed it to gentleness because meekness isn't a word that we like as much, (laughs) and gentleness seemed friendlier and, um, and more palpable, I guess, would be what we'd say. But how would we actually define gentleness or meekness as we talk about it as a fruit of the Spirit? Or part of the singular fruit of the spirit, because we're learning things. <laughs> right. One mm-hmm. fruit. How would we define it in in the scriptural context? Yeah. Let's start there. Oh. That's a good place to start. Let's start there. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. It's, yeah. it's acceptable. Yeah, because I was thinking about the uh, how different the word scripturally is than how we would define it culturally. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, which is would not be the importance of digging into to understand, mm-hmm. you know, what the words actually mean. Because uh, from a maybe a, a more of a, a, a masculine perspective, it's like, do I want gentleness to be a, a fruit of the spirit in my life? For sure. And what does that really mean? When there's a lot of strength in the word, mm-hmm. you know, gentleness and, and meekness. Well, because we view and like even saying the change of using the term meekness to gentleness is in part because meekness sounds weak. Which yeah. gentleness can sound weak too, but I think it we can kind of scooch around that a little yeah. bit more with that term, mm-hmm. and and because meekness isn't a word we use a lot culturally speaking. That's right. not something that's more Certainly familiar not or dated. Like a positive context. No, it's like oh, that person's meek. Like oh, they don't really speak up very much. You know. Yeah, we mm-hmm. think of someone you who's know? very mousy. Yeah, mousy. That's good. Um, letting themselves maybe being taken advantage of that they aren't right. able to stand up for themselves. It really is viewed as weakness. And if we view it in that term, which I think would probably be the most cultural definition of how a lot of people would, mm-hmm. de- if you, how the man on the street would define <laughs> the guy with the sign. meekness, right? Yeah, if we go out and ask people. And so it is one of the things as we've done each episode um, of the podcast here, defining that term biblically, because that's what we're reading. That's what we're pulling from. So what, what would we define meekness as is from that biblical standpoint? What, you know, yeah, what does that mean? It makes me think, when I was, when I was thinking through this, uh, it, it took me to Psalm 23, and I think about like a fatherly perspective, like a good father is going to be gentle, perhaps meek, and he's going to obviously like guide you, he's never going to have a heavy hand, there's never going to be, um, like discipline is kind and it's loving, it's always for your good and your benefit and helping you grow, um, so I think of God that way a lot of, of, you know, Jesus is the good shepherd of how he's leading me and guiding me and it is gentle and you can't separate them. It's gentle and kind and loving and there's self-control <laughs> how do I define in that the word without using the word I know, kind of moment. You can't, you can't. Um, but that's where it takes me of like the kindness and the times where he allows us to go ways that perhaps are not the right ways, but it helps us to learn what we need to learn. Good. Yeah. Cause one of the things we've talked about, in each episode, a theme that's kind of been recurring is how the fruit of the spirit, these things that the Holy Spirit, again, singular, not plural things, thing, um, is working in our lives are also all characteristics of God. 
that God is Mm -hmm. gentle. God Mm -hmm. is meek in the way that I think we're going to come to discover as we talk about it today. And so, and we wouldn't say that God is weak. We wouldn't say that God lacks power, but we tend to define a way. And maybe before we get into what meekness really looks like, which would define what it is, why do we view it as weakness too? Or maybe we can talk about both things kind of at, at the same time. Um, cause it is one of those, like, how do I define it without using, how do I define meekness and gentleness without using the word gentle? What maybe it's more, what does that look like mm. in our lives? I, I, the first part of your question was why do we maybe not want to, uh, mm-hmm. see it in a positive light? I think it, it's, it's very counter to the narrative out there now. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe even to, uh, not just the narrative, but what it means to be, an American in a sense of that entrepreneurial spirit where you've got to go out and get yours, you know, and you make it happen for yourself, that whole kind of idea that we know isn't ultimately true. It does take more than one person and just ourselves to make it. But, you know, and especially that, that culture now of like, you got to grind, you know, and you just got to do that. The idea of being gentle, almost like, well, how are you going to move forward? How are you going to get, you know, be progress in life if you're just this gentle, meek person, if that's your Mm -hmm. idea about it. And then like for myself, uh, thinking about that word apart from the biblical definition, I you know played football growing up, and there's not one coach that ever told me to be gentle or meek <laughs> on the field. Right? We we had to, but we did have to play with controlled aggression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and and that, respect for the other and players. respect for the other players. And, and the coach would say like, "You talk with your pads, not with your mouth. Mm-hmm. Like hit mm-hmm. the guy as hard as you can, and then extend your hand and help him up. Like, yeah. but that term, controlled aggression." You know, mm-hmm. it was like, you can't go out there and just be a wild, crazy person. Yeah. You know, so how that I think we'll speak into in a moment here as we start to define yeah. the word. But maybe that's some of the, the difficulty mm-hmm. of like, this isn't a cultural value that we we yeah. talk about a lot of, a, oh, a gentle, meek person. That's mm-hmm. what I aspire to be. No, I want to be. I think we create these extremes. We don't allow a lot of space for nuance. We don't allow a lot of space for the duality of a lot of things. And so someone can't be bold and aggressive and independent and ambitious and be meek because in our minds, those are opposite sides right. of mm-hmm. a coin. And, and so, so from a cultural standpoint, we, we don't think about that as someone who can get the job done, mm-hmm. so to speak, someone who can move yeah, they're forward. Like a pushover. Yeah. Right. They, yeah. We, that's how we view it mm-hmm. because we don't really, in a lot of ways aren't able to kind of have those dueling ideas. Cause it's the same thing with love and loving others. We struggle with how to combine truth and love because we don't like, we know that it truth, they go hand in hand as Jesus followers. Um, God's truth goes hand in hand with love, but how to actually enact that out in the world becomes really hard because we view love as, well, I have to be soft and I have to be affirming. And, and if I love them, then I'm just, I'm like patting them on the back Mm -hmm. and saying, everything's okay. And, and truth sometimes is the hard thing. And so we don't know how to walk hand in hand with Mm -hmm. both things. And I think the same thing is true of the idea of meekness and gentleness. We don't know how to because we don't, we view them as so polar opposites. We we don't have an understanding of how you can be that like American, pull mm-hmm. yourself up by the bootstraps, independent. I can do anything, mm-hmm. like kind of attitude, and still be gentle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we don't view that as something that requires gentleness. Like that requires an edge. It requires being hard, being tough. You know, having thick skin. All of those things that we say, and meekness feels like the opposite of that. Right. Well, I think, too, we don't value, going back to culture and perhaps like the American mindset, we don't value community as much and living closely with, you know, a group of people where we rely on them. It's, we do need each other. We do need, we need, sometimes I need to ask Tab for sugar or flour or whatever. (laughs) She's my neighbor. Like we, that's a silly example, but when we aren't relying on each other for what we need and then also living in community in close proximity to have those like perhaps more abrasive, potentially abrasive conversations, we lose the ability to 
have healthy conflict and have those conversations where we can be gentle and tell the truth at the same time and then come out on the other side still yeah. in community, in healthy community, I should say. When I, I think of I think of this, uh, your, what you just said made me think of that, the abrasive conversations and maybe like a modern um, American figure who embodied mm. gentleness and meekness to me would be like Martin Luther King Jr. Yes. Uh, in that sense of like, you know what they were what they were fighting for. Not only did he root it in truth, uh, but he chose the nonviolent route. Mm-hmm. He chose to be, what well, you know, gentle. He was very clear, very about, clear, yeah. gentle and meek, and uh, to throw a definition out mm-hmm. there. Warren Wearsby said that that gentleness is the right use of power and authority, or it's power under control. Yeah. You know, and that paints it in a totally different light. You have to recognize the power and the strength that you have, uh, God given, mm-hmm. uh, maybe. Just by position as a as a a parent or a spouse or in a job, so you recognize the authority, you respect the power and authority you have, and then it's controlled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not like back to football; it's not just wild and doing whatever you want. Yeah, it's that. Mm-hmm. Well, because I mean, with the football analogy, even though I don't do the sports, but my <laughs> husband does. Um, if everybody, if it's if the aggression is not under control, it becomes dangerous. Yes. Mm-hmm. It becomes harmful. And you actually can sabotage your ultimate goal right. of winning that game. And I, I think some of what you said there was interesting too, because I think recognizing power and the power that we have is a really good first step toward meekness. Mm-hmm. Because maybe we struggle with meekness because we struggle to recognize the power, the influence, the authority we have in our own lives, both as Jesus followers and just in different positions and places of influence and whatever. And if we don't recognize that power, can we even recognize when we're abusing it, when we're being aggressive with it, when we're misusing it, whatever word you want to throw in there? Because if I don't recognize it, then... Am I even recognizing my attitude toward the person I have power over? Because mm-hmm. right. I think in meekness, when we talk about it's that power under control, part of that is birthed from a place of, as we've said over and over again, with all in with every piece of this fruit of the spirit, is that it's all rooted in love, and and meekness comes from I have this power, I have this influence, I have this authority but I'm going to let it be motivated, my use of it, in love and humility. Right. And and that isn't weak, but it takes some intentionality. Strength. Someone told me after, uh, the, you know, we started doing the series three weeks ago now in service. On the, mm-hmm. uh, on the Fruit of the Spirit. Of the Spirit. Yeah, at, yes. at the church, yeah. Fruit of the Spirit at the church. And uh, I was talking about love, and I, one service I said, you know, what love is. And I quoted that song. I want to know what love is. <laughs> and then one lady was like, yeah, I want you to show me. And I, I defined it first Corinthians 13, but someone came up to me and said, actually, you know, that there's a simple definition of love that we use in philosophy called to will the good of others. Mm, that's good. Uh, so just to distill it down, someone, mm-hmm. you know, to will the good of others. And I was like, that is great. Like that communicates mm-hmm. it. I think on a even more, uh, a level that's more understood than love is patient, mm-hmm. kind, if he doesn't boast, because you have yeah. to think about examples. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It wills the good of another. And when you think about the use of power and influence to yeah. use it to will the good of another. And I think when we, when that is our mindset to to love, to will the good of others, that really creates a lot of space for gentleness and meekness in the way that we use our power because it's not for my own benefit. It's not out of fear of what I might lose. It, it's, it's solely about the other person. And when it's about the other person, my approach to them is going to be different. My attitude toward them, the words that I choose to try and relate truth or whatever to them is going to be different because it's, I'm decentering myself and making it about them and ultimately Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think, and when we do that, when we view it that way, that it's not about me, I think meekness becomes easier. And in that it's power under control. And we had our, as we were talking earlier, it's power under God's control. Right. That I'm, I'm submitting in humility to his will and his love for others. 
too. Like, it's not just about my ability to love others. It's I serve a God who is love, who is motivated by love towards others. And I want to have that same heart. So I want to submit to his way of doing things. And his way is gentle. Mm -hmm. His way is kind toward us. Doesn't mean it lacks truth. That doesn't mean it lacks conviction or that it lacks strength. It's just, it's a strength that's meant to um, kind of hold up and lift up rather than tear mm-hmm. down and, or, you know, cut down. Mm-hmm. I think for in us, it's interesting when we talk about these things, we focus so much on like, how does it, what's the outflow of it? What does it look like when we demonstrate? But really it's all, it's more about the posture of the heart. And because you can tell when somebody's motives are healthy, if they're, biblical or if they're weird and wonky or harmful, they may be doing the same behaviors or exhibiting the same, you know, lifestyle. But if their mode, if they're the posture of their heart isn't aligned with what God is, how he is leading us, the fruit of their lives is going to be different and the way we experience it may be different. Yeah. So I think it all goes back to what's happening on the inside first rather than what's happening in you know, on the outside. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, you know, when um, Jesus said in Matthew 11, 20 through 30, come and follow me for I'm gentle mm-hmm. or lowly mm-hmm. in, in spirit. Uh, yeah, someone, as I was reading, said this, that what he, he's saying, because it's the same word that yeah. he's using, is that the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. So the opposite of self-assertiveness mm-hmm. and self-interest. So if you're mm-hmm. going to be gentle and meek, you're not going to be constantly trying to put yourself forward, mm-hmm. constantly trying yeah. to, to you know, do things, back to Fawn's point, uh, so that others see you or laud you for your accomplishments. Just yeah. even like Jesus said, yeah, the Pharisees, they do all this stuff so that other people see them, you mm-hmm. know, and you're completely missing the point. And I just thought that is so countercultural as well. Yeah, when every, everything see me, look see at me, me. And, mm-hmm. and, and the apps reward that, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. put yourself out there on Instagram, TikTok, and it becomes this exercise in self-assertiveness and being known and wanting to put yourself forward so that others can, you know, not Validate only... You. Va- yes, yeah. the validation and the identity. Mm-hmm. And it's just so empty because it's never enough. Yeah. And, and it even goes beyond that, that it's about how I feel and what I want. Like we, again, we so center ourselves in everything and what we want to the point that truth becomes subjective mm-hmm. and... um instead of absolute, because you can have your truth, I can have my truth. And that world, like, that's really hard to live in. Sure. Because it, we're so saturated with the feeding of self and the feeding of selfishness and the centering of ourselves that to follow Jesus in a way that is, is the polar opposite becomes really hard. And it's hard to know what that looks like because we don't see it. No. Very often. Correct. If at all. Yeah, I would say I would say to some degree, right? Like the God of the age is this is self. Mm-hmm. And the the we are trying to elevate the self and the emotions uh to uh, almost this level of of divinity in mm-hmm. a sense that how I feel is the yeah. ultimate reality and you have to to go along with that. Like we're wanting to be gods. Yeah. Uh, and it's really really interesting uh, to watch it play out. And if I am my ultimate authority and I am the most important thing, it changes the way I interact with people and it, it breeds fear and it breeds anger and it breeds this divisiveness because I, I begin to lose the ability to have humility and love and kindness toward others because I'm so worried about my own self. I'm so worried about what I can get about my comfort, about my convenience that, it, it to ask me to lay my comfort aside for someone else, right? To lay my fear aside for someone else's benefit. I mean, that's that's a big ask. That's a really tall order, mm-hmm. yeah, for all of us. And yet Jesus is like, do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I need you to do. Yeah, it's like it's like judges, right? And everyone would did right. What, what was it? Did right in their right, own, in their own eyes. eyes, yeah, right. Like that was the, you know, the, the time. It never really turned out well. It, it turned out in ultimate destruction. 
Yeah, it, it, know, did, it didn't turn out well. And, and it's Israelites, over and over too. Again. They kept choosing, and then it was like, give them what they want. Yeah. Right. It didn't work out. So the ideal of idea or ideal, but idea of gentleness is this really this great picture of strength mm-hmm. that is not yet, is not rewarded maybe in culture, uh, yeah. what we see, but it's the, it's this beautiful picture of strength that we have the opportunity as Christ followers to yeah. put forth yeah. in a world uh, today. I, think I would say that it's not necessarily not rewarded because I think when you have a person that does handle themselves with restraint and respect of others, like they may not be the one that's always out front, but people respect them. Correct. So we're not necessarily incentivized in perhaps like if you were thinking like upward movement in a career or something like that, you know, but people do pay attention. They do. And that's what, that's what I meant by rewarded. Yeah. I don't think gentleness gets clicks. Sure. Get yeah, swipes. Yeah, yeah. Certainly not in the yeah. internet world. Right. Not yeah. in that internet. You gotta be the loudest person. <laughs> right. The loudest yeah. person. People are shouting over yeah. one another. But I watched this thing the other day where, you know, this ladies keep is shouting, shouting, and this guy is just very calmly making his point, and mm-hmm. he's being respectful. Yeah. And saying, "Well, this and well, this," and he never once attacks. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. thought that's a great picture of mm-hmm. meekness. Yeah. Like, no, this is well. I'm here. I respect you. Right. I'll answer your question. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. That's what the that's what sure. the, the country needs, yeah. Not just one person, but both people who are. And I think it's understanding in kind of scenarios like that because we face them, whether it's on social media or in person. Those kind of debates, those arguments that are out there, and we're all having them or trying not to, maybe, but they're there. <laughs> and when, is understanding too that part of it is I can't control other people. I can only control myself. I'm I'm ultimately responsible for my obedience and submission to God. And so if I'm, you know, at a place where in a situation like you just mentioned and, you know, someone's coming at you and they're attacking and, and you're trying to offer that restraint, that gentleness, that meekness, and they're not giving that back in return, mm-hmm. the, like to not let your trigger be triggered yeah. and, and f- jump back and go, well, but they, mm-hmm. but they, like, we yeah. don't get to, they. but they sure. in these situations. Mm-hmm. Well, we have to see the humanity in each other. Like where you have it in your notes, like we've all got our own stuff. We've all have our own stories. And just, just like I have my story, you have your story and your own experience. And they both are important and valid. And when we forget that, and when we put up this wall and just pretend like you're not even a person, you don't have your own life experience, then we, we can't engage with gentleness or humility because all we do care about is our point or our right to have an opinion. And we all, we do have a right to have an opinion. That doesn't mean that we get to share it however we feel and whenever we feel. We have a right to our opinion, but a responsibility to the gospel. Yeah. Right. Well, it's interesting to me in, in the context of the letter Paul writes to the, you know, to the Galatians, he starts off calling out the Judaizers. People are saying, in order for you to be part of this, you have to be circumcised, you have to do all these things. And he's very making a very strong point when he says, to all of you who are saying you got to be circumcised, I wish they would just go all the way and emasculate mm-hmm. themselves. And But to the to the Christians, he's saying, look, you got to be gentle and meek. Yeah. You know, they're saying you have to do all these things, and you're not going to fight you fight fire with fire here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this is, I think just think that's a pretty interesting thing to step back and consider. He's saying what the Holy Spirit's going to produce in you mm-hmm. is this gentleness with which you will face mm-hmm. the people that are infiltrating in the church, not just the broader culture. This, these are people who are calling themselves mm-hmm. Christians-esque, mm-hmm. Yeah. and they're trying to come in, infiltrate, but with them, I want you to be gentle. It's like, and the Holy Spirit will lead you to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think to bring it, I was just thinking, bringing it even more home for us who are Christ followers... I think where this has to be demonstrated first is within the church. Yeah. And how many times have we walked into a church and there wasn't a lot of meekness going on? <laughs> there wasn't a lot of gentleness going on because yeah. I think, this is this is Josh, where we are not careful as Christ followers is we become way too certain about things. Yeah. And I think certainty at times can be the antithesis of faith. Mm-hmm. Paul never said he was certain. He said he was convinced mm-hmm. by faith. Well, certainty breeds pride. Pride, mm-hmm. yes. And, and I... And, that becomes the opposite of the mm-hmm. humility we need yeah. and, and the empathy that we need. Because if I am so certain that I am right and you are wrong, mm-hmm. 
I'll then crush I, you. then my, well, yeah. And my pride won't allow me to even listen to right. what you're saying and consider that maybe you've got a point mm-hmm. or even, and, and sometimes I think we make all of these conversations, even within the church about winning everything. The goal is to win. And so if I have to eviscerate you verbally. And what, what are we winning? Yeah. Eternity. Like, See, that's the justification. Mm. It's easily yeah, justifiable. Yeah, but it's not other people's eternity or We're doing our it own. for God. Yeah. I'm not, not even trying to be it, funny. And I yeah. think that's oh, no. how we yeah, justify yeah. it. That okay. weapon, well, yeah. I mean, there's lots of people that, you know, the Westboro Baptists of it all, that, well, we're speaking the truth. But if you've lost the love and the humility and the meekness in the way that you speak the truth, no one is receiving that truth. Right. And all you've done is weaponize God in a way that is harmful and hurtful. And, and that's not the heart of God at all. And, but we want to win. I want to win. And when I want to win, I really, I'll tell myself it's for eternity. I'll tell myself it's for God. But we all know deep down inside when we're real honest if my attitude is I need to win this argument, I need to win this battle, I need to win this culture war, I'm winning it for me and for my pride mm-hmm. and for my arrogance so that I can know that I was better than you and that mm-hmm. I was right. Yeah. Yikes. I even think, too, for me, it uh, this is definitely part of pride, but uh, a little bit even more justifiable. Mm-hmm. And what I mean is it's sometimes just it's just mere protection for your own insecurity oh, yeah. and vulnerability. You know, I'm going to win because uh, whatever you said hurt me. Yeah. And so now I have to win. Yeah, to protect, that's true. To protect myself. What I think I have to do to protect myself rather than one of the other definitions was people who are meek in the Old Testament were people who were wholly relying on God to fight against injustice. Mm-hmm. And when we take justice into our own hands, and I'm not saying there aren't times where we can bring about justice mm-hmm. or we take vengeance yeah. into our own hands, I think that... Weird. Well, when we try to do justice our way instead yes. of God's way, yes, like exactly. that's we lose the meekness, we lose the gentleness in 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 our in our methods, in our attitudes, mm-hmm. in our actions, and and I and I think it's so true because it like it can be pride, it can be arrogance, mm-hmm. fear, it can yeah, and it can be the fear because too if. Because I see it a lot, too, that in certain conversations, especially within the church, when you see people start to um, go deeper in the word and and be, you know, try and be more biblically literate and they're learning new things and their eyes are open and they're starting to see things that maybe they were always taught. And you st- and then someone comes and is like, well, but that's not that's not really <laughs> what that meant. Like that was off. And in that it's um, it's like we we don't trust that if we're wrong in some of those small things, we don't trust that if we admit that we're wrong in some of those, that we will still believe in God at the end of it all. Yeah. And so I have to mm-hmm. fight really hard to make sure that everybody lines up with exactly all of my mm-hmm. beliefs and values because I don't know that I can maintain my Christianity without it. And I think God is so much bigger mm-hmm. than that. I think God is fully capable of handling those things that we come to wrestle with and and maybe get confronted with theologically that make us go, wait a minute, maybe that thing that I was taught all along isn't right. And I and it's okay mm-hmm. to admit that. It's okay to even just wrestle with it. Maybe you won't change my mind, but I'm not losing anything by wrestling with it. And I right. like that you use the word that in, insecurity because our own insecurities keep us from critical thinking. They keep us from compassionate and empathetic thinking because like, man, if I let a little bit in and it starts to chip away at some things, how much will it chip away at? And, and there's so much mm-hmm. fear there. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, I was was thinking about that this morning and thinking through the gospels in the way, and perhaps this was maybe, you know, more culturally um, normal. Brian's working on turning the air, guys. (laughs) It's really hot in here from where we're recording. Um, So if you hear a hum, it's the air conditioning. Um, We're grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, uh, I was thinking about the gospels this morning and how how Jesus taught, he taught in parables, which didn't immediately define what he was saying. You had to think about it. 
And I think that's such an interesting way to teach because he could have just been like, this is what you do and this is why you do it. But instead he told them about the parable of the sower and explain, mm-hmm. you know, told stories about soil or the, um, <laughs> air conditioning um just the different stories that he told throughout throughout the gospels and then people were like what and he could explain it but it reminded us that we do need to think and we do need to consider what he's saying for ourselves and he's the ultimate truth but i think there's there's power in that and i think that the po- part of the power is is that truth isn't just propositional and it can't just be propositional it can't just be reduced to a set of systems and 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 points it has to be rooted in a broader narrative, mm-hmm. and Jesus mm-hmm. was, was always doing that. Yeah. Matter, matter of fact, the majority of the Bible is written in narrative. Yes. Mm-hmm. And when there's not a narrative to make sense of the mm-hmm. truth, we adopt a narrative. Yeah. And that's why, left to our own devices, in our insecurity mm-hmm. and in our fear, we build narratives mm-hmm. in our head that yeah. most of the time aren't true. Yeah, we write a story. Yeah. We write a story. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we have to make sense of what's going on because we can't live without a narrative. Mm-hmm. We're just not, we're created to. Just yesterday, Laura and I had a conversation. Some would call it an argument. But <laughs> part of it, what it was is, is, is that in my insecurity and in my fear, I had started to write a narrative yeah. mm-hmm. and living that out that wasn't true. So yeah. I wasn't being gentle, you know, or any of these things because I was giving into the narrative of fear and all of that. And that's why I think even that's so important now. Yeah. It's not just to systematically and propositionally look at something but to take it and look at the broader narrative of Scripture, and then we can find ourselves in that, and we can relate to Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, and I think uh, um, when the young adults were studying the Beatitudes and we studied Blessed Are the Meek, one of the things that came up in the conversation, too, is that the ability to show meekness and gentleness is directly related to how much we trust God. Mm Mm-hmm. Because again, that that bristling up, that need to control, the arrogance, the fear, the insecurity that can make us put like this armor on and want to like hack away at people because we're protecting ourselves, whatever it is, ultimately can can come back to the question that we can ask ourselves is, am I trusting God in this situation? In this conversation that I'm having with this individual, and maybe it's because genuinely I they don't know Jesus, and I want them to know Jesus, but I don't trust that the Holy Spirit is actually big enough to reap a harvest here. I don't think that the Holy Spirit is actually big enough to to save them, to speak to them, to get past their defenses, mm-hmm. to get past their sin. And so I got to like say all the things and, and, and be aggressive because if I'm not, they might miss it. And then like, mm-hmm. well, they've just gone to heck well, in a handbasket. There's a sense and, of urgency sometimes. Yeah. And then that like motivates so, us like, God, do this, so God, do this. It maybe it starts with a really good intent, but because we lack the trust that God and only God can do the saving and the healing. Like we, we have roles that we play in that as we partner with the Holy Spirit. Certainly we, he can use us to speak to people. I'm not saying that, but ultimately that's on him to save. And when we kind of release ourselves, I think from some of that and, and put our trust in him, even whether it's a situation within the church or even some of the situations we face outside of the church where we get so fearful of what might happen if people don't hear all of the reasons why they're wrong and sinners and we have to say them and we have to say them very loudly because we're being led by fear instead of going, you know what? I can, I can speak truth and I can offer it gently because the Holy spirit is quite powerful mm-hmm. and he doesn't need me to show off my power in order to be powerful in someone else's life. And so I think that tie in, you know, and maybe a good kind of just self-reflection question, if you find it hard to be gentle, because it can be hard sometimes. Like we want to say things, we want to clap back. If someone comes at us, like our knee jerk reaction is to come back at them. And so to show restraint is very difficult. But I think one of the ways as Christ followers, we can show restraint and maybe begin to practice that in our lives and partner with the Holy Spirit is, is trusting him, is asking the question, like, like, is he big enough to handle this? What, what am I really scared of? 
And have I put that in his hands and trusted him with it so that I'm not being led by fear or insecurity or, or even pride? Because pride still puts us in that place where I think I know better than God. That's good. Yeah, I think of, uh, I always try to think of uh, representations, you know, back to the, the parable thing about like, trusting in that. And what you're just saying made me think of uh, Desmond Doss in the movie Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. If you haven't seen that movie, uh, yeah, he plays a non-combatant. You know, he had a he was a pacifist based on his religion, and he chose to still go to war. And the part of the movie is just how much grief he experienced from his fellow soldiers because he refused to take a gun. They beat him. Yeah. You know, they they the uh, army tried to kick him out, and he continued to serve. And you know, of course, he's credited with saving so many people's lives when everyone else left. He stayed and rescued them. And he goes from being this reviled character to being this highly respected character simply because he chose not to lash out yeah. and not to, to do that. And it's, a, I mean, just a beautiful picture. Brutal movie mm. on yeah. some about the war. But, I mean, that to me is like, I'm talking about a strong individual. Because his pacifism was not a lack of strength. Was or, and it was not a lack of courage. At no. a time when being a pacifist and not wanting to go to <laughs> yeah. war was usually about a lack of courage. It yes. was about being fearful and being a coward. And But that was not him at all. And, yeah, he, he proved that yeah. many times over. But again, I think it goes, the, the treatment up until that point of proving it goes back to showing what we think meekness mm. is. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, when you think, thinking of that, he wasn't actually a pacifist. I mean, if you think of the definition of the word, but even just using that word, yeah. he was very action-oriented. He was very strongly convicted. This is what I'm going to do. He wasn't just like, I'm just oh, not yeah. going to do anything. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, even labeling somebody like that. I'm still choosing an action. It's just not the action that is categorized the way you think it should be. Yeah. Correct. For sure. And I think that goes to humility because we also in our culture have this idea that if anything happens, if there's any issue, like you have to speak on it. You have to have a hot take mm -hmm. on Twitter. You have to say something. And in and if you don't do anything or you don't say anything, then you don't care. You're complicit. Yes, or you're complicit. That's, yeah. you know, and and sometimes, I mean, not sometimes, a lot of times that's just not true. It's some, because I think part of meekness too is stepping back and, and thinking through what I'm going to mm -hmm. say and why I'm going to say it and how I'm going to say mm -hmm. it. And in a very hot take culture, that's that's mm -hmm. not often looked at as, as active. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that, well, you're just sitting back, like you're, you're like being a cultural passive. pacifist. Yeah. You're being passive. Like you're part of the problem mm -hmm. because you're not saying, and it's like, no, but also like the fact that I don't say anything on social media doesn't mean I'm not saying anything mm -hmm. yeah. or I'm not doing anything. Um, I don't have to do it for all of you to see me. Mm -hmm. to I think you doing a thing. Yeah. You can't separate like in my mind, gentleness, really any of the fruits from wisdom and like the yeah, pursuit of good. wisdom. And to me, wisdom doesn't hurry. It's never in a rush to yeah. get to a conclusion. It's thoughtful and considerate. And when the Bible says that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So it's ultimately submissive to a truth greater than, than our own. So I don't, I don't think you can disconnect those things. So yeah, it is considerate and thoughtful. And rushing to speak, being quick mm -hmm. to speak, usually, you know, it's like be slow to speak and like slow to anger. Because mm -hmm. I think if you're quick to speak, you're quick to anger. <laughs> Those two go together for a reason. Yeah, and, sometimes for sure. And so we don't always value that. And we don't make space for people to do that, to right. think through. And so I think, and even within the church, we don't always make space for people to stop and think through something before we want a response or a reaction from them. And so we maybe don't set people up for success when it comes to gentleness and meekness, because um, one of the definitions we had in our notes that Baker's Evangelical Bible Dictionary says... <laughs> um, so is that meekness, it says the use of the Greek word when applied to animals makes it clear because it means tame 
when applied to wild animals. In other words, such animals have not lost their strength, but have learned to control the destructive instincts that prevent them from living in harmony with others. Well, taming an animal takes time. It's, it's learning, it's process, mm-hmm. it's building trust. And we don't like that. I even have a tattoo on my arm that says, God did not save you to tame you. <laughs> um, but that's not, that's talking about something else, but it's, but the same idea, we don't create space for people to learn a different reaction. And so if you back someone into a corner and force them to respond, force them to engage when they are not ready instinctually, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to get aggressive. Just like if you back an animal into a corner, Mm -hmm. instinctually, they're going to lash out. Whereas, especially if someone is hurting and there's a, there are so many hurting people Mm -hmm. in our world and they're hurting and they're lashing out, out of their hurt. Mm -hmm. And instead of maybe giving them some space to calm down, instead of showing maybe some love that nurtures some mercy that brings healing, we, we want to just argue them to our side. And we didn't take time to take care of them. We didn't take time to show any kind of empathy or compassion before asking them to engage on the issue. And, and then we wonder why people are so angry. Because we would be the same way. If you want to force my hand in a conversation, you're probably not going to like the tab that comes out of it. You're just not. And there are probably lots of people, my husband being one of them, who will tell you that that's true. And so I think making space for people yeah. to, to think through and to go, okay, wait a minute. I need to think about that for a minute. You know, I think sometimes is even in the Christian world, someone saying, well, I need to pray about that has almost become and it's because people have taken advantage and misused it and people say I got to pray about that and they have no intent of praying about it it's just an excuse but because of that we've almost acted like if someone says well I need to pray about that we automatically dismiss them Mm -hmm. and so again we we've we've stolen this space and maybe they really do need to step back so that they can be meek and gentle in their response so that they can have a minute with Jesus Mm -hmm. and offer the right fruit and then when they don't, because we force their hand, we want to get upset. And I think we do the same thing with other people in our lives, with pe- strangers on the internet. We, we don't let, we don't give people space to, to think about it first and to process it and to find the wisdom that mm-hmm. they, on how to yeah. act. Or, or even the space to, you know, I don't want to say fly off the handle, but not think about it as much and just say something. Mm-hmm. And then the space for that person to be a human being. Yeah. yeah. They messed up, you messed up, and then coming back together. Because I think of Paul, who wrote this, um, right, to the Galatians. And I don't know the time difference here, whether this, what I'm going to say, happened before or after. But he and Barnabas broke up over right. the very issue of John Mark. Yeah. John Mark did not want to go and quit. And Mark's like, I'm not taking, or, John, or Paul's like, I'm not taking a quitter. And yeah. Barnabas was like, no, but come on. Paul's like, no, I'm sorry. He's a quitter. I'm not doing it. <laughs> And they had to go their separate ways. Yeah. So Paul, that was not probably a spirit of gentleness. I think Paul was so committed to the mission mm-hmm. that you don't quit. I can relate yeah. to that. Oh, You're yeah. going to quit? See I you later. I got time for that. I got time for that. Until Paul, at the end of his life, end of his life, he says, bring John Mark to me for he is useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that space for both John, or John Mark and Paul. Who knows what they did to their relationship? I don't know. I'm just assuming. Yeah. But no, no, bring him. He's useful. Like that spirit of gentleness... Yeah. You know, that could happen. So even Paul was a work in progress, yeah. you know, in saying this. And then even Paul and Peter, he says, I oppose Peter to his face Yeah, over this very issue in Galatians, mm-hmm. yeah, fraternizing with the Judaizers and stuff like that. And so there's a picture of being able to have conflict yeah. in a spirit of gentleness with a fellow believer and forgiveness and all those things to work. The word that comes to mind is grace. Yeah. That may be part of it to... And being able to live out gentleness and meekness is having grace with one another. And you pair grace and wisdom, you know, the discernment and the leading of the Holy Spirit, because we are walking in step Mm -hmm. with the Spirit here to say, okay, you need to hit pause here and give space and Mm -hmm. time and then come back to this conversation. Or in those situations, they were human. You need to give Mm -hmm. grace here and and forgiveness. And, Mm -hmm. And those are pieces that all kind of begin to to go together. Mm -hmm. And it continues with the conversation that these aren't individual things that you can just check off a list. Right. You can't just go down and be like, okay, love, got it. It's, they all intertwine and thread together. Um, 
as the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and and be more and more right. like Jesus. And how 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 did Jesus respond in moments where he was put on the spot, where he was cornered? How did he respond? In moments where someone attacked him, how did he respond? And we can look at that. And obviously we're not going to get it all right because we're human and we are tainted by sin. Um, but that begins, that's, that's the goal that we should be looking toward and working toward. And I think, and that is, requires a lot of grace for ourselves and for others. Yeah. I was this, read this quote the other day, a guy named uh, GK Chesterton. Everybody's mm-hmm. read him from, I think he's from England early on in the 19th century, but he said this, uh, he said, there's a great lesson of beauty and the beast, uh, that a thing must be loved before it is lovable. Mm-hmm. And I, I've really been thinking about that because at first I didn't know what he meant. Yeah. But a thing must be loved before it is lovable. And we don't become lovable because of what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we're loved by God uh, because he created us. Yeah. And to live at that grace and uh, that we're having for one another is like, I have first have to see myself not as lovable because yeah. I think that's dependent upon me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm loved by God. Yeah. You know, th- that's huge because I can't give what I do not have. Well, we love because he first loved Because us. he first loved us, which, yeah. But I thought, man, that's so powerful. The beast, because I think that's really an allegory for Christianity, beauty and yeah. the beast mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Uh, the beast doesn't see himself as lovable because he doesn't know he's loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Fun fact, that G.K. Chesterton quote is in my next book. Is it really? It is. That quote. So That particular one? That exact one. That's awesome. Is in there because it's a it's a little bit of a Beauty and the Beast retelling, yes. and so I fit that in there. I was I wanted a quote about or from Beauty and the Beast, and that's the one that I use. I have a bookstore owner quote it, so I don't know. That's Anybody, amazing. Everyone buy my book. I um, did not know that. You did not. There is no way possible you could have <laughs> known that. <laughs> Are you allowed to share that? Yeah, because yeah. I didn't share anything else. Okay. <laughs> on page 94. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't even know. But so, yeah. So interestingly enough, do you have to cite him? I put that G.K. Chesterton once said ah. because it's another character is quoting him. And I did that specifically to make sure I covered all of Come my all copyright basis. <laughs> yeah, that, that was profound. But yeah. That's a profound thing to, to chew on. And you've yeah. obviously been chewing on it if you put it in a book. Oh, yeah. I've been chewing on the whole Beauty and the Beast thing a lot. And we mm. could have a whole conversation about that. But that is a big a big piece of it and why the beast was the beast. There's a whole, there's lots of stuff, but yeah. it, that same idea though, that of understanding we are loved. Cause we talk about the fruit of the spirit. The first one we list is love. And really all of these are love. Love is what threads it all together because God is love and he is motivated by love towards us. And I think all of these are pieces that work to help us to be motivated by love towards others and, right. what, and, and actually live that out. And we can't do that the same way. You can't offer grace to someone if you don't understand the grace that you have received from God. Mm-hmm. Correct. It's really hard to love others. If you don't understand how deeply you are loved for absolutely nothing that you have done or earned. Yeah. Cause if I think I earned it, I expect other people to earn it. And when I expect other people to earn it, I'm, I'm going to have a hard time being gentle with them because I'm going to be like, if I had to do it, you can do it. Well, sure. <laughs> well, and that's everything in our culture too, right? Yeah. You I mean, you have what you've earned. You don't, right. you, you don't, your paycheck is not an act of grace. Yeah. At all. Yeah. You've earned it. True. Or lack thereof. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's hard, I think, to continue to receive that because mm-hmm. it's not part of the cultural context in which we live. And it's something we have to go back to. And I think it's, we've talked about as we, how do we help partner with the Holy Spirit to nurture the fruit in our lives? And a big piece of that has been abiding in Jesus. And I think even really a big piece today that we can focus on is is part of nurturing this fruit and nurturing meekness and gentleness is is continually daily going back to the reminders of God's love and grace toward us. You know, maybe making a very practical choice to wake up every day and tell ourselves, I'm loved. God loves me and I didn't earn it. God, God's grace is not something that I could earn. I am poor in spirit. And, and having that reminder maybe can help keep Mm -hmm. that as we keep that at the forefront of our mind, keep us viewing others through the same lens. 
yeah, they don't have to earn it either because yeah. I didn't earn it. And, and I think we have to remind ourselves of that all the time because no matter how long that you are saved and have a relationship with Jesus, it can be so easy in an instant to forget that you didn't earn it, mm-hmm. that you walk in it, that, you know, it, there, that it, it is that we respond to it through our actions. You know, our actions, our obedience are a response to God's love. They're an offering of love back to him, but I'm not earning anything from him. He cannot possibly love me more, no matter how good I am, mm-hmm. than he just does because I'm here and I exist in this world. And when we remind ourselves of that, maybe we can be, have, you know, begin to really see others that way. And when you see others as someone who God deeply loves as image bearers and, and like really truly see them, like God loves this person. I really hate them right now. <laughs> I'm really angry at them right now. They are getting on my nerves, but God loves them. Like he died for them. I mean, it'll shut me up mm-hmm. when I don't want to be gentle, when I want to be petty. Yeah, And yeah. recognizing they're on a journey. Yeah. Like, and we perhaps were in that same spot at one point. Perhaps we're a little further down the road. I pray often something from Psalm 25 or Psalm 143. Show me the way I should go. Inviting God into mm-hmm. recognizing that I, you, you have it written down here. I don't always know what's best. Quite often, I don't quite have it just right, you know? Mm-hmm. Even if I have some good ideas or um, healthy perspective, I don't have the full picture that he does. I, I can't see the, the puzzle put together. I've only got pieces. So recognizing that everybody's on a journey and I need the Lord to show me the way that I should go. What's best? Where is wisdom? Thanks so much for listening to What Matters Most. I'm Fauna Labrook, the communication director at Faith Community and the producer of The Pod. We're almost finished with our series on the fruit of the spirit and we'll be doing a wrap-up episode in November. So if you have any lingering questions or you'd like to know more about something, please let us know. You can send us a message on social media or send me an email at flrbrook at faithcommunity.co. Those links will be in the show notes too. We'd also love to know what you've been learning throughout this series, so feel free to share all the things. As always, if you've enjoyed this episode, we would be so grateful if you would leave a review and share it on social media. This helps us reach more people with the hope the gospel has to offer them right where they're at. And pro tip, subscribe wherever you're listening so you're the first to know when the next episode drops. Thanks so much for listening and for leaving those reviews. We love getting to share these conversations with you because we're all on a journey to move from where we are to where God wants us to be. It's in this beautiful and sometimes messy process that we continue to discover what matters most.